One of the most improved farm systems of recent years is the Chicago Cubs. But can it replace what they might lose at the major league level to free agency? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Special hello to the everydayers out there. Excited to see you here. Excited to have you as part of this journey. And hello to those of you who are new. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, even SiriusXM. And special hello to those of you on YouTube. Do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell when we drop a new episode because we do that five times a week. So talking about the Chicago Cubs, there's a lot of really talented prospects in this system. And trying to figure out how they can fill the holes at the major league level, we'll get to that in the third segment, but it's a very obvious one and two. And then a big question about who might be number three. I have the top two prospects in this system. And reminder, these are from our uh, prospect rankings. They're available exclusively to subscribers of our subtext. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. But we have the number one and number two prospects of this system as Pete Crow Armstrong and Cade Horton. And I have it listed as PCA number one and Cade Horton number two. But I think this is more a situation where they are on a tier by themselves above the rest of the farm system, right? They are, to me, top 25 prospects in baseball. And then there's a drop down to everybody else. Pete Crow Armstrong, 2020 first rounder out of high school by the Mets. And they got him in the Javi Baez deal. What an amazing get by the Chicago Cubs. 90 games this year between AA and AAA for PCA. We're just going to go with PCA. It's a lot simpler than saying Crow Armstrong 10 times. 289, 374, 532 slash line. 18 home runs, 48 extra base hits, again, in 90 games, so more than one every other game, and six of those were triples, so very impressive. 41 walks to 101 strikeouts and 32 of 40 on stolen bases. Normally, for a position player outside a catcher, I talk about the offense first, but I think it's very important with Pete Crow Armstrong to mention not only is he a very good defensive center fielder, but I and many people believe that Pete Crow Armstrong is the number one defensive outfielder in the entire minors. He is probably, uh, when he the day that he is promoted to the major leagues, he is probably a top three defensive center fielder in baseball the day he comes up, even though he's going to have an adjustment period for how the ball comes off the bat in Wrigley and what the wind does and all of that. He still is, he is that good defensively. Absolutely elite, 80 grade, potential to be generationally great at defense in center field. We don't, I try to be conservative on a lot of these things. PCA is an exception here. He makes it look incredibly easy. Plus speed. The Reed's routes reactions are all elite. He is fantastic going into the gaps to steal base hits. He goes back to the wall. He comes in really well. The arm is above average. It's pretty accurate. And it is 
absolutely the complete package on defense. Everything you could possibly want from a center fielder and something that should play in Wrigley Field for a long time. Offensively, I feel like he sometimes gets a little bit underrated because the he doesn't have the mind-blowing power numbers, right? 18 home runs in 90 games, but a 532 slash line. And some of this is the speed. The speed is plus speed. I mentioned the stolen base numbers, 32 of 40. He has He's very good at not only reading a pitcher and taking the steal, but he's very good at first to, going first to third on a base hit. And because of that, he's able to take extra bases, and that does help the slugging numbers, the slugging, the slug. But his actual power production, like the sample he's been in AAA and we have StatCast data for, is pretty good. His average exit velo is 90.1. His 90th percentile exit velocity is 105. I think Pete Crow Armstrong, a lot of places have him as 45 power. I think he's at least average power. Can't I don't necessarily think he's going to hit you 25 or 30 home runs, but I think that he doesn't necessarily get enough credit for the power that he has. Now, it feels like a lot of that home run power is pull side power, whereas his standard swing as a lefty is more gap to gap, spraying line drives, taking doubles, things like that. But either way, it is a really smooth, simple, fluid lefty swing. The pitch recognition is really good. The hand-eye coordination is really good. I feel like if he has a weakness, he struggles a bit on pitches in on him. You can jam him. You can uh, get something in on his hands, get some suboptimal contact, but he's getting better at that. And... Either way, I think he is one of the more impressive prospects in the minor leagues. Just about the entire prospect apparatus has him as a top 25 prospect, and everybody thinks, yeah, PCA is the real deal. The other top prospect in this system is right-hand pitcher Cade Horton, 2022 first-rounder out of Oklahoma, and he's the guy we talk about this every year in the draft or leading up to the draft. You have that guy that just absolutely pops, uh, whether it's during the college postseason or specifically in Omaha at the College World Series. Ty Floyd from LSU was that guy that kind of popped this year at the College World Series. Cade Horton was that guy last year. Just reminder, drafted out of Oklahoma, but he started the season as the third baseman for Oklahoma because he was making his way back from Tommy John surgery, made four starts in the College World Series in 2022, or four four postseason starts, I'm sorry, 2-8-1 ERA, struck out a record 13 batters, a record at the time, 13 batters against Ole Miss in the finals, I believe, went in the top 10 picks. This year, between A-ball, high A, and double A, three and four, three five one ERA in his 18 starts. 101 strikeouts in 74 and a third inning, so that's 12.2 per nine, to 20 walks, 2.4 per nine, seven home runs allowed. I like that the Cubs waited to get him into double A until the Southern League got rid of those dumb, sticky, uh, tacky baseballs. We've talked about this at length on the show. If you're new here and you missed that, I'll try to stick the card up here talking about the baseball itself. We got our hands on one. And I had a chance to talk about it on camera as holding it and what it felt like and some of the advantage it was giving pitchers in the AA Southern League. But 
what he does very well, and he's gotten better the farther he's gotten out from Tommy John, but what he does very well is all starts with that fastball. It is probably a 70-grade pitch, sits 95-96, he can touch 99 with it, and then he combines that with a slider. It's a vertical breaking slider. I think it's a gyro slider. I don't know if it's if for sure if it is, but given what this organization likes to do, I'm going to believe that it probably is. Sits in the high 80s, 87 to 90 or so. Also has a vertical breaking curveball in the low 80s. So they have similar movements. There's more lateral on the slider, but curveball obviously breaks a lot more, comes in at a whole different velocity band. They look similar out of the hand. He's still mostly a fastball slider guy, but you've got the curveball. He's got a changeup as well, throws it in the in the mid to upper 80s. So you've got a couple of different velocity bands, a couple of different directions, and I've been very impressed with what he's been able to do this season. Number one, number two in this system, very easy to say. Pete Crow Armstrong, Cade Horton, number one, number two. If you have Horton over PCA, it's hard for me to argue with that. The point I have is they're all in that first tier as the top two consensus best prospects in this system. The issue is nobody's decided who the third best prospect in this system is. And we'll break down some of the options next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. If you think Cody Bellinger can hit a home run tonight, we we obviously sure do. You can go to Sleeper and swing for the fences with up to a 100 times payout. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories. The common stuff like home runs, strikeouts, hits, things like that. You get the picks right and you can win big. They've added some new stat categories, stolen bases, triples, things like that. And then dynamic payouts are now live. So to break it down simply, every player, rather than just getting an automatic, here's the preset multiplier based on how many guys are in the action, each guy has their own specific multiplier, right? So if it's a guy that's less likely to hit a home run, he has a higher multiplier than a power hitter. And so you can win more money with less picks than the other apps. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit with Sleeper. Now, terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details, but they are currently operational in over 30 states, so check out Sleeper today. Okay, I mentioned for this Cubs system, it is a consensus number one, number two, Pete Crow Armstrong and Kate Horton. But... Looking across the prospect apparatus, there are a lot of different opinions as to who is the number three prospect in this system. Baseball America has 2023 draftee Matt Shaw out of Maryland as the number three prospect in the system. He was their first round pick and really small sample size right now. He's got 16 games in high A as of the time of us doing the notes. It's probably 17 or 18 by the time this airs. 358, 386, 552. Two home runs. Seven extra base hits, three walks to 10 strikeouts, and six to six on stolen bases. Very small sample size. Can't necessarily learn a lot there. But their write-up is they updated after the draft as he got into the system. And what they say, in essence, is he has more strength than you would assume based on his size. He's listed at 5'11", 185. They talk about 
because of the hands, the wrists, the, the, the forearm strength, the bat speed. He has more power than you would expect, and so they gave him a 55 on power. They also talk about his walk rate being just as good or better than his strikeout rate in college and are giving him a 55 grade on his hit tool as well. So you're looking at a guy with uh, both an above average hit tool and power tool, and they explained that he struggled against secondary pitches early in his college career, got much better in his junior year, as well as the power really came in the junior year, but he can still expand the zone a bit. Defensively, he's been playing shortstop at Maryland. He's been playing shortstop in high A, but the belief is because the arm is only uh, that the final position for him is going to be second base. They have him as the number three prospect in the system. They gave him a grade of 55, which as you know, is an above average regular uh, with a risk grade of high, which for them is actually good because it's like moderate high extreme. Uh, Baseball America is high on Matt Shaw as the number three prospect in the system. Now, MLB Pipeline has Owen Casey, the outfielder. I believe that's how you say it, it's Casey. They have Owen Casey, the outfielder, as the number three prospect in this system. And Casey's another guy, similar to PCA, was not drafted by the Cubs. He was a 2020 second rounder out of high school by the San Diego Padres, and he joined this organization in the U Darvish deal. And a lot of the guys that either have been promoted recently or in this farm system are part of some of the teardowns. There's a return for Rizzo in here. There's a return for Baez in here, Darvish, all of that. But 101 games in double A for Owen Casey. So he did play in the Southern League while the pitchers had an advantage. 286, 387, 532. It's a healthy slug. 21 home runs, 48 extra base hits. Again, 101 games. So almost one every... Every other game. Not quite there, but almost. 59 walks to 145 strikeouts. Again, in 101 games. 6 of 15 on stolen bases. And the reason I think that MLB Pipeline has him at number 3 in the system is the power. They have him at 65 grade power. So raw power is obviously ridiculous. He's a left-handed hitter. uh, And it's something where... They said that he gets amazing, I think think the word they used was astounding exit velocities uh, and is doing a better job of pulling and lifting pitches to actually hit home runs. Uh, now, they, I, I think they are minimizing the strikeouts a bit. They actually acknowledge this. He works deep counts, but his approach comes with a good deal of, straight, of, of strikeouts that will be an acceptable trade-off for his pop. MLB Pipeline is the power's great And it really feels like they're maybe assuming that the strikeouts are a little bit higher because of the baseball in double A. And they're like, yeah, he's going to strike out more than once a game, but it won't be as bad as 145 and 101 games. That's what it, that's why it feels like they have him at number three. I obviously can't speak for MLB pipeline, but that's what it feels like now defensively. His he's probably average speed or so, ticked down a little bit to below average now, so 45. They have him sticking in right field because the arm is above average. 
And I believe in double A, he's played almost entirely right field. He has played some left, but almost entirely right field. He is obviously your power hitting corner outfield type that has a big enough arm to get some outfield assists and things like that. And obviously, if his speed isn't at least average and he's a little bit of a downgrade on speed, you can mitigate that somewhat by right next to him, you have Pico Armstrong who is the best outfield defender in the minors and will be one of the best defensive center fielders the day he debuts. And so that can mitigate some of the effect of not slightly below average defense in right field. So MLB Pipeline has Owen Casey at number three. Fangraphs has James Triantos at number three. Actually, they have him at number two. They have him over Cade Horton, but... For the purposes of this, I'm trying to figure out who's number three here. 2021 second rounder out of high school. And a lot of this evaluation of him has been messed up because he missed time to start this year. He had a, I think it was a meniscus surgery just before the season started. So he missed some time. And this is something where he was drafted again in 2021. And when he went to the complex in 2021, it was... Uh, ridiculous stats, okay? 25 games in rookie ball at age 18. 327, 376, 594. Three for six on stolen bases, but 14 extra base hits in 25 games. So he's been working his way back from the meniscus surgery. He is in high A South Bend, and he's gotten 66 games as a time of no- 67 now, pulling up current stats. 282, 362, 396 slash line. Four home runs. 19 extra base hits, 29 walks to 31 strikeouts, and 12 of 16 on stolen bases. It looks like the speed is coming back, and he's getting more comfortable. And you can, I, I did pull the stats from July 14th on. Once he had some time to get his feet underneath him, and then what's the next, th- or I guess the last 30 games. When I pulled this, it was games through the 22nd. But in those 30 games, this slash line, absurd. 313, 410, 563 for James Trianto. Six home runs, 15 extra base hits, 19 walks to, I believe that's 20 strikeouts, and 0 for 3 on stolen bases. No, 19 walks to 10 strikeouts, my apologies, and 0 for 3 on stolen bases. Fangraphs has him with a 60-grade hit tool and a... 50 grade power. And one of the things they specifically mention is how much better his strikeout rate has gotten from last year. And they acknowledge small sample size, but he's cut the strikeout rate in almost half, walking more often than he struck out, which by between when they wrote that and now has slightly changed. And then at the time of them writing that, which I believe was midsummer here, the, his swinging strike rate was only 6%, meaning if the ball is in the zone and he swings, he is going to hit it. It is something where it is not, you are not worried about his ability to put a bat on a ball. The questions for James Triantos would be, def- one, power ceiling. Where is that going to be? He is only 20 years old. He has time for that to continue to grow. I believe they have him at a future power of 50. and then defensively, where is he going to play? Was drafted as a shortstop. He's played middle infield. He's played third base. He's at second base this year. And it's something where he's not incredibly 
he's not incredibly fast, and the arm isn't necessarily that great. And where is he going to play? They even mentioned he might have to leave the dirt and go to the grass, which is not a good thing. You want him to stay in the infield to give you more options. But either way, they think he's an offensive first infielder that is going to give you a plus hit tool. Three different options for who the number three prospect in this system might be. In just a second, I want to look at how this system doesn't exactly line up with the needs of the major league team and how they might go about fixing those or filling those holes. We'll do that next right here on Locked in MLB Prospects. Welcome back to Locked on MLB Prospects, talking about the Chicago Cubs and their farm system. Quick reminder, next Monday, we have another mailbag episode like we do every single Monday. If you have questions for the show, tons of ways to get them to us, Twitter, email, Discord, whatever it might be. But the best way, because you get priority in the show and access to these rankings, is our subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Looking at this, the future configuration of this team and who's going to play where some of these spots feel pretty obvious. Dansby Swanson is signed through 2027. You've got, say, a Suzuki is signed to be a corner infield, corner outfielder through 2026. Nico Horner signed an extension to be your second baseman through 2026. But you went out and traded for, for Candelario from the Nationals to play third base. He's a free agent after this year. Cody Bellinger is on a one-year deal with a mutual option for 2024. And mutual options are really funny because it feels like mutual options almost never get picked up. If the team is comfortable picking up the mutual option, it's probably because they feel like it's cheaper than having to pay a free agent price for that player. If the player is okay with picking up the mutual option, it's probably because they feel like they couldn't get an equivalent deal on the free agent market. And those two things fundamentally don't intersect. There's very few times when it feels like both the team and the player would be happy with that specific salary for them. So you're looking at Cody Bellinger is probably going to be gone for 2024. Entirely possible they re resign him. I would love if they would, honestly. Marcus Stroman has a player option for 2024. He's been very vocal about wanting an extension. They have been vocal about they are not giving him one. Uh, it is very in entirely possible now that he's on the injured list that he may opt in and stick around for $21 million. He may leave. Who knows? But you're looking at, you may have to replace a third baseman. You may have to replace a center fielder. You may have to find a pitcher at the top of your rotation. Now, the good news is, the center fielder is easy. Pete Crow Armstrong is your center fielder next year if Cody Bellinger does not resign. If Cody Bellinger does resign, Pete Crow Armstrong's probably still your center fielder next year, and Cody Bellinger is playing either weirdly a corner, which would give you a really interesting defensive alignment, or first base, which is also a really strange thing that they have Cody Bellinger do. He's very good defensively no matter where he is. It just feels weird to take a gold glove caliber center fielder and say, hey, go play first base for us. It's useful in fantasy. Yeah, it just feels a little weird. But either way, that's pretty obvious. Cade Horton, I think, will have a chance to earn a starting job out of spring training. I don't think he'll get one. 
but I do think he will get a major league invite to spring training and they will legitimately see if he is ready. I don't think, again, I don't think he will be, but I think that the way that he has gotten better over the course of the year and the way his stuff has held up gives hope that he is far enough removed from the Tommy John and he has developed enough where he is on an accelerated curve to make it sometime next year. If not the beginning of the season, maybe mid-season. I don't necessarily think they would hold him over until the end of the year to keep him for a 2025 Rookie of the Year campaign, simply because it's so hard for starting pitchers to get a Rookie of the Year uh, award. We saw that with Spencer Strider. We're seeing that this year. We talked about this on, on a show the other day. You need to have a Fernando Valenzuela award for best rookie pitcher. But filling that third base spot feels a little bit tough. You've used Christopher Morrell there. You've used Patrick Wisdom there. Obviously, you don't feel great about their abilities to hold that position down on an everyday basis because you went out and made a trade for Candelario at the trade deadline. And they're not ready yet. They're too young. But some of your top infield prospects, Matt Shaw and James Triantos, we've talked for both of them about the arm strength not necessarily being where it needed to be to play shortstop, never mind third base. So, and when you go down through this list, there are not a lot of players that are listed as third basemen and that are guys you would be comfortable with playing third base on an everyday basis. Now, I say that with the understanding that Candelario has the lowest average and max arm strength of any third baseman in baseball this year. If the Cubs decide one of these guys eventually, again, these are not candidates for next year, but if they decide one of these guys is advanced enough offensively where we can live with below average arm strength that is a liability at third base, we could move one of these guys and plan on having them play third base. I don't know necessarily what happens there. It feels like you may attempt to piece this together with the morale, with the wisdom, things like that, until you can get to figuring something else out. Or it may be a scenario where, depending on what happens with a Bellinger, with a Stroman, and how much money comes available, maybe you go out and you sign a free agent third baseman. Matt Chapman will be available. He will probably be the most expensive position player free agent, depending on what happens with Shohei Otani, if we consider him a pitcher or not, because he's probably not going to pitch for a year and a half with a torn UCL. And there's options, right? It does feel like it's a good fit to go out and sign a player like a Matt Chapman because he's not obviously blocking a top prospect at third base. Now, you do have to figure out, if, if you do that, Shaw and Triantos... What is their value to you when you have Nico Horner signed for a couple years? You have Dansby Swanson signed for a couple years. Dansby can't kick out the third, arm strength-wise. He can't do that. Unless, again, you're willing to take uh, a liability uh, level of arm strength at third base. And so, it's going to be really interesting in free agency this year for a few reasons. The Stroman decision, what you do at third base, and... Are you able to bring back Bellinger? And if you are, how do you use Bellinger and PCA on the same roster? Very interesting. Again, fantastic week this week. Mailbag is on Monday. If you have questions, send them in to us. 
We're going to get that show recorded sometime on Sunday, so try to get those in by Saturday night. Enjoy the weekend of games, and remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. <laughs> <laughs>